I invite you this morning to turn with me in your Bibles this morning uh, to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 90, Psalm 90. As I reminded you last week, those of you who are here, those of you who were tuned in, that we are in between series here at Ascension, and that has given me the opportunity for the last several weeks, of course, part of those weeks were uh, Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, where we wanted to focus on those particular uh, events in our calendar, but I've had the opportunity to speak on things that have been close to my heart. So last week, I set our thoughts on Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17 for his people, a prayer of unity, unity in the gospel and in mission before a watching world. Well, this week, I want to talk to you about something that's not just close to my heart, but something that literally is a result of my heart. I'll explain what I mean by that in just a moment, but before I read, I want to give a little context for for this psalm. The author of this psalm is Moses. It's the only psalm that we know with certainty, though there's some speculation that 91, Psalm 91, which we looked at earlier in the year, was written by Moses as well. This is the only one that we know with certainty that he wrote. I suspect Moses is a familiar figure even to those of us who may not have grown up in the church. Charlton Heston has uh, made sure of that. We know who Moses is. Chosen to lead God's people, the people of Israel, out of their captivity in the land of Egypt. Moses now wanders at the writing of this psalm, now wanders with those people rescued but now in the desert, in the middle of a wasteland, in the Middle East. God had promised this people a a new land, a rich land for his chosen people, right? A land that was flowing with, with milk and honey and goodness and safety. And yet Moses' generation continually forget the Lord. And repeatedly turn from him to other gods. And it's because of their rebellion, it's because of their continued disobedience that they have forfeited the right to enter the promised land. And so God will fulfill his promise to his people, but he will wait. He will wait until Moses sees all of those around him die. Some from old age, some likely from tragedy. Even Moses' own sister and brother will be among that generation that dies off. And so all that Moses is witnessing after this glorious exit from the land of Egypt brings him to this point of reflection and prayer, a reflection and prayer that we have been given here in Psalm 90. 
So we don't know exactly when Moses wrote this, probably likely at the end, near the end of his life. I want to read it to you and then I want to reflect on it for a few moments together. I invite you as always, if you would, to stand for the reading of God's Word. Psalm chapter 90, in its entirety, verses 1 through 17. Listen as I read. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass under pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Amen. This is the Word of the Lord. So why do I say to you this morning that our time in Psalm 90 comes as a result of my heart? Well, let me explain. I'm going to get a little bit personal here. Because as I penned these words this week, as I wrestled with this passage again, in fact, as I have stood to lead you in worship and proclaim God's word to you these last several weeks, I have done so with a literal trembling heart. Some of you know this, but about 12 years ago, I was diagnosed with a condition that maybe some of you have as well, called PVCs, premature ventricular contractions. It's thought to be a benign condition where basically the electric timing of my heart is off and can frequently get off, causing it to misfire. So the end result is that that premature heartbeat 
makes it feel like my heart is skipping a beat. My chest drops and I feel this flutter. There are a number of factors that can bring this about, but for the last 12 years, it's been infrequent. It's been temporary until about a month ago. And now my heart daily, even now, is misfiring. Those unsettling symptoms have prompted in the past three weeks a trip to the doctor, an EKG, an echocardiogram, and a CT scan, all of which have deemed that my heart is healthy. There's nothing wrong. And yet there's something wrong. I don't say this this morning. I don't set up this psalm this morning for you to say, woe is me. Many of you deal with much worse than what I have been dealing with the past month. But I say this to go to this place, to ask, what do we do, what do I do, when we don't have answers, when things are out of our control, when we are reminded of our own frailty. Well, I find myself, I hope you find yourself going to God's Word. And specifically to the Psalter, this, this hymn book of God's people that is full of, of raw emotion like mine, but full of enduring and unparalleled hope. Seems like every few months, we find ourselves here at Ascension finding our way back to the Psalter. And that's a good thing. We probably should be here more often. We probably should return to it more than we do. Going to the Psalter in times of frailty is in and of itself a, a good takeaway from this morning's sermon. If you, bring, if you take away nothing else, when you're feeling those emotions of frustration or panic or, or whatever, go to the Psalms. But that's why I wanted to go here this morning. And I suppose in, in some ways, meditating on Psalm 90 is, is a bit selfish because I need it. I need to be here. But I suspect that you do too. After all, not only do many of you have much more serious and scary health ailments than I do, not only are some of you dealing with tragic deaths in your life and the grief associated with that, but we've all lived through 2020, where all of us have been isolated to some degree, where hundreds of thousands have died, where millions have lost their jobs, where relationships have been strained. And where uncertainty still lies ahead. You know, the latest statistics show that now more than four in ten Americans have developed symptoms of depression or anxiety. That is a near quadrupling. 
from just a couple years ago. Brothers and sisters, our hearts, all of our trembling hearts need to be realigned this morning. It's my hope and prayer that God, by His Spirit, would do just that. Speaking into our anxieties, speaking into our fears with the balm of His words. I have two simple truths that I want us to meditate on this morning. The first one is this, a trembling heart remembers its place. A trembling heart remembers its place. When I say trembling here, I say it as a sign, as an indicator of of weakness, right? Of fear, of anxiety, of frailty. The tendency of, of all of us, especially in our teenage years, I remember when I was 17 and I was pretty sure that I didn't need anyone to speak into my life because I knew everything. But we all tend to think more highly of ourselves than we ought, even into adulthood. Maybe even more so into adulthood when we, we figure things out and we gain and obtain knowledge. We struggle. Because deep down, we want to know everything. We want to be gods ourselves. We want to be able to control. After all, that was ultimately what was dangled in front of Eve in the garden, right? It's the original sin. You will be like God, the serpent said. But we aren't God. We are creatures. He is the Creator. And Psalm 90 invites us to sit in that. Moses and the Holy Spirit who inspired him to write and pen these words remind us that in at least two ways. We are finite and we are faltering. We are finite and we are faltering. Look at verse 3. Do you, do you, you hear the hints of creation in, in Moses' language? For as Adam was created from the dust of the ground, so we will return to that dust. It doesn't matter if we live to be a thousand years. Our lives are nothing more than a watch in the night. Isaiah speaks to it on a national scale and he says the nations are like a drop in a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. We also see in here in Moses' words, because we know Moses wrote this, we see hints of, of the exodus here. Right? Moses and his people had just witnessed the power of the Creator over the so-called power of the Egyptian army as they were crushed in the Red Sea as it closed in. And Moses says, for as with a flood, man is swept away like a dream. And we are reminded that this is who we are. That life is short. That life is uncertain. That we are finite. 
But Moses also reminds his people and us here this morning that we are faltering. We see this in verses 7 to 11. Moses calls it specifically in verse 10, the toil and trouble of life. The pain, the brevity, the unpredictability of it all. Moses is seeing it firsthand. Just over a million of his countrymen and countrywomen are dying and have died in the span of 40 years. That comes to about 30,000 deaths per year. And so Moses says, listen to the language he uses, you sweep them away. We are brought to an end by your anger. All our days pass under your wrath. You see, not only is there death that Moses is witnessing, frailty and finiteness, but the death around him is the direct result of the wrath and just judgment of God. See, our trembling consists not only in the fact that we are small, as significant as that is. No, our trembling also has to do with the fact that the world that we live in, that the bodies that we inhabit, that the nature that we've inherited is bent and broken. Therefore, we all exist under the judgment of God, and it wasn't supposed to be this way. Death wasn't supposed to be part of our existence. Without sin, mankind would have lived forever. And yet, because sin and rebellion has entered the world, we will all die. Some of us will die because of the sinfulness of our own actions. Some of us will die because of the sinful actions of others. Some of us will die simply because we are finite. But it will happen. We can't run from it. We can't escape it. We can't be good enough to get away from it. It will sweep us away. Finite creatures faltering in a sinful and broken world. Thanks for the good news, Pastor Nate. (laughs) Doesn't sound very hopeful, does it? But there is hope. Of course there's hope. Moses doesn't want us to just sit in the fact that we're finite, in the fact that we're faltering. He wants us to rest in that. To rest in the reality of what he says. Because there's hope because of a different kind of trembling. A better kind of trembling that we are invited to engage in this morning. A trembling that is not a symptom of our weakness, but a trembling that is a symptom of our worship. And that's the second thing I want us to focus our hearts on for just a moment. A trembling heart looks to its maker. A trembling heart not only knows its place and sits in that, but a trembling heart rests 
because a trembling heart looks to its maker. We tremble. We tremble because of the majesty that we see. That's the kind of trembling that I'm talking about. Did you notice that Moses, guided by the Holy Spirit, begins this psalm and all that he is seen and witnessing among his people. He begins this psalm not with his circumstances, but in the first couple verses, with his God, with worship. He goes back to the very beginning, to the land before time, before anything has found its place, where there was absolutely nothing, and God was there. He has always been there. He has no beginning. He will always be. He has no end. He is the only absolute, the only true constant in this world and for his people for those who call on his name this God is a dwelling place a dwelling place a home a refuge a place that we can flee to again and again and again At the time of the writing of this psalm, God's people had no home, right? They were wilderness wanderers. They had no city. They were daily reminded of their dependence. And yet Moses affirms through that wonderful pronoun, our, that he, this is not just a hypothetical dwelling. He is their dwelling, this personal God who has covenanted with a people. We may be finite, but he is infinite. He is eternal. He is immovable. He is a rock when everything around us is swirling, when everything inside of us is swirling. He is God, and we are not, and that is a good thing. But not only does the character of God speak into our our finitude, our finiteness, but also into our faltering. He speaks a word of grace. And in our feeble, short-lived lives, there is nothing more important than this. Despite our sin, there is hope. Moses knew it. His hope for, this was his hope for himself and for the people of Israel. The hope that there will be one day an eternal dwelling with God. Moses couldn't see how it would all come about, but he knows it's there. He knows it's there because he appeals in verse 14 to God's steadfast love. His chesed. His covenant faithfulness. And now as we sit in the new covenant, we have been recipients of covenant faithfulness in the person and work of Jesus. And the dwelling place of God comes only through Him. In the midst of frailness, it's the best news that we can hear. That God in His grace, in order to restore His creature, sent His Son, the Lord Jesus, to take on human flesh, to live the life that we couldn't live, earning God's favor, to die the death that we deserve, taking God's wrath and judgment, all so that we could enjoy the dwelling place of God. 
that we could make our home in Him and He could make His home in us. And that doesn't mean that life stops being difficult. It doesn't mean life doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean we won't ask why. It doesn't mean we won't even scream why. But it does mean that we'll have hope. We do have hope. A trembling heart knows its Maker. And so in light of all of this, in light of this reflection on our own finiteness, on our own faltering selves, on who God is as the eternal one, as the one who invites us into his dwelling, making our home with him. What does Moses pray in verse 12? Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. This is a psalm for the living. For those of us who still have years to live and to reflect and to deal with death, to deal with frailty. Most of you in this room have long ago sensed your frailty and depended solely upon His grace, the grace that He offers you in Jesus. But but you still struggle like I struggle to live in light of eternity, to live your lives with the big picture in view, to remember that ours is an enchanted world. As the writer of Hebrews writes, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, to remember that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, to live in the way that, the, that Paul writes to the Corinthian church, that our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. We struggle because the tyranny of the urgent grips us and it binds us to the here and now. And Moses cries out to the Lord. He pleased with the Lord. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And how do we do this? Well, we live in the same way that we came to Him. We meet Him in His Word. We depend on His grace. We cling to His promises. We press in to know His presence. But here's the challenge. In order to do this, it requires space. It requires solitude. It requires silence. It requires rest. It requires reflection. It requires recognition that there is more going on than 
just what I see than just what I'm experiencing, that God is pursuing His people, that He is after your holiness, that this disruption that you are experiencing is by design, that the detour, as I said last week, the detour is the road. But those things in our world, increasingly so, are becoming difficult to do. I said them slowly and deliberately for a reason. I'm having to learn this. The Lord is still teaching me. But I want to grow, and I want you to grow into this wise life. A life of fruitfulness. A life that brings Him glory. So Moses ends this psalm with the cry that a trembling life will be Work well spent. Work established by the Lord. I pray this often. Establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Brothers and sisters, trembling hearts, they're actually good for us. They're good for us in both respects. The trembling of frailty, of anxiety, the trembling of awe and worship. Because we are reminded that God is God and we are not. And yet we are loved by that same God, a God of majesty and a God of grace, a God to be relied upon in life and in death. May God give us the grace to learn that, to learn it together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you this morning for this reflection from your servant Moses, this prayer prayed first long ago and yet has endured for generation upon generation and now comes to us in a time, in a season, in a generation of our lives. Where we need its message more than ever. Father, these truths this morning are basic realities about the doctrine of man, about the doctrine of God, about who we are and about who you are, and yet they are hard to live by. They are hard to keep in view. And so I pray for grace. Grace for me, grace for these people here, grace for these people listening. Grace to be changed, grace to be conformed. Grace to live in a way different from statistics, different from the world around us, but with hope and grace and truth and 
life. Oh, Father, do this work not for our glory, but for the glory of your great name. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.